In today's episode, we begin by decorating a room for a little kid. We discover how a big pen can become a transportation device. We realize you are never too old to get a toy in your stocking. We see that some claymation characters never learn and will always need to be rescued again and again. And we discover once and for all where you need to go to find joy, all on the way to answering the question, what can Gumby teach us about joy? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. In the course of this podcast and its episodes, we've spent a fair amount of time talking about love. As the book of Galatians tells us, if we are followers of God, then we will show the fruit of the Spirit. And as Galatians says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Except, except it says more than that. It says, and this is Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, (laughs) that's a lot to be responsible for. And it seems to me that I've talked a lot about only the first word in this list, love. So maybe it's time I spent a little more time talking about the others. So as we begin to talk about the next item on the list from Galatians, I'm keenly aware of two things. First, it often seems elusive. I mean, who doesn't want joy? We all desire it, seek it even, but don't often know where to find it. I think a consistent experience many of us have is that wherever joy is to be found, it must be somewhere else, because it's clearly not where I am, because I'm not feeling it in the moment. So let's go back to the beginning for a moment. No, not back to the book of Genesis or even the beginning of humanity or anything quite that dramatic. In this case, I mean closer to my beginning, or at least some of my earliest memories from my childhood. As you've already discerned, today we're going to be talking about joy and, of course, joy's natural partner, Gumby. When I was three or four years old, my family moved from Memphis to Nashville, Tennessee, and our new home was a split-level ranch, and my younger sister and I shared a bedroom. We had twin beds, and between our beds, there was a rug that had been purchased for our new room. It was probably five feet by seven feet, and it was made of variously sized blue rectangles on a gray background, and I'm sure it was selected by my mother to match some aesthetic she was trying to achieve in our room. But to a little boy, to little Danny Matthews at that particular time, it was clearly intended to resemble a bird's eye view of a portion of a city. The gray lines between the rectangles were streets, and the blue rectangles were, of course, city blocks. With the rug as the canvas for my imagination, and my Lego and miniature Gumby and Pokey figurines as my creative tools, I spent countless hours recreating make-believe worlds on that rug. 
One day I found the lost cap to a Bic ballpoint pen, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but really opened things up for me in terms of my playtime. Because with the aid of a rubber band that was used as the straps, Gumby now had a jetpack. And my and his worlds opened up with even more, and now that he had the ability to fly. Because of these years spent playing with Gumby and Pokey, I have, well, a soft spot for them. I have been for a long time, now I will say, a huge fan of Eddie Murphy. But during my college years, when he was on Saturday Night Live, he played a crass, outspoken Gumby. I remember so clearly sitting there watching it in the dorm commons room, and my friends laughed at the sketches he did, but I'll be honest— I never found those particular sketches very funny. Oh, I got why other people found it funny. But to me, Gumby was special. You don't mess with Gumby. You don't make fun of Gumby, at least to me. Because of this appreciation of the little green man, my current family has more than once given me a Gumby and Pokey figurine in my stocking on Christmas morning. And if you look at my video teaser for Am I a Heretic?, the video teaser you'll find on my YouTube channel, you can see in the background these figurines. I have a small pair that are probably two inches tall and another pair of Gumby and Pokey that are, I guess, closer to five inches tall. Now, Sarah and I have two grandkids. One's nine and one is about to turn three. And the younger grandchild is nicknamed PJ. And PJ knows exactly where Gumby and Pokey live in my office. And when she comes for a visit or a stay, it's one of the first things she does. She'll go into the office and bring them out into the living room to play with them. This past weekend, our son and daughter had a lot going on in their lives, and we were asked to keep PJ at our place for the weekend. And when she comes for a visit, it's always an odd mixture of sheer delight and total physical and emotional exhaustion. When she's awake, she wants to spend time with us, all of her time with us. She wants our undivided attention, fully engaged with her during all of that time. She wants to turn everything we do into a multi-person interactive game. And I find myself enjoying each game for a while. For what I think is a long while, actually, but her patience, her willingness to play the same game, her stamina for every single game we play, well, it it far exceeds mine. She'll go get my guitar and bring it to me and ask me to play the guitar while she demands that Sarah, who she calls Gabba, dance with her. Except She will want to keep the dancing game going on until Gabba collapses and my fingers start to cramp from playing the guitar for so long. One of her favorite games happens to take place on our end table next to the couch in the living room. It's a game that she and Gabba invented, but she doesn't really care which of us plays it with her. We have a lamp on the table that has a wide base, and then a little further up, there's a little shelf just below the light switch. And the game goes like this. The small version of Gumby or Pokey will climb the lamp and get stuck. It can't get down from the upper ledge on the lamp. The larger version of Gumby or Pokey will then climb the lamp and rescue the little one and bring it down. Sometimes PJ is the one with the figurine getting rescued, and other times she's the one who does the rescuing. 
How many times will she repeat this game before she tires of it, you ask? Well, we are much closer to knowing how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop than being able to answer that particular question. So I sit on the couch as she stands by the table, and she hands me a figurine for whichever part I'm going to play this time. And every single time we play it, she derives an amazing amount of joy from the game. I, on the other hand, have a more limited scope when I'm playing. After I've participated in more rescues than the Baywatch TV series, I begin to think of things that I need to do. I wonder, how soon till lunchtime? I wonder if it's time to put PJ down for her nap yet. It was fascinating to me this past weekend to be playing with PJ and enjoying and basking in the absolute joy of this game, this moment. Her smile, her laughter, her joy in the moment made every single rescue a sheer delight. Except that isn't true. As I already admitted to you, I was playing the game and I began to lose patience. The joy of the moment began to be lost, and my desire to be somewhere else, doing something else, began to grow. And then it dawned on me as we were playing. The moment hadn't changed. PJ was still having a great time. What had changed was not the moment or the circumstances, but me. My focus. What had changed was my ability to be in the moment, just in the moment. As adults, we begin to emotionally wander away. We start thinking about something else that needs to be done. We start wondering about the future, or we start fretting over the past, and suddenly we're no longer in the moment. The fascinating thing that PJ and Gumby taught me this weekend is that in that moment, there is both joy and frustration to be found, and which I experience has little to do with outside demands or factors, but has everything to do with where I choose to place my attention in that moment. Now, I'm not one of those people who tends to idolize children. I love children, but I don't idolize them. I will occasionally listen to someone say how sinless children are. And let me just say this clearly, I do not buy that for a moment. Most all children are perfectly capable of switching between the perfect child from the boxcar children novel and then becoming fully recognizable as a child from the Lord of the Flies in the blink of an eye. In other words, kids are human. No better, no worse. And despite their imperfection, there is absolutely something that we can learn from them. That little five-year-old me, that little five-year-old Danny boy who sat on his bedroom rug in Nashville, playing by the hour with his Gumby and Pokey, did not spend a single moment worrying about the future or fretting over the past. In that moment, there was only the present. And in the present, there was joy. And joy is always, always found in the present. Now, let me say that like many things in life, the goal is not to spend the entirety of our lives in the present. 
That's just not practical nor reasonable. Sometimes we need to process the past. Sometimes we need to anticipate the future and plan for it. So being present in the moment is something you decide to do and you work at and you literally can't do it all the time. But it's pretty safe to say you can do it more than you are in your life right now. And that's the cool thing about this. God calls us to be joyful. But many of us believe we are more likely to encounter Sasquatch at the mall than we are to encounter joy in our daily lives. And the tendency is to think that joy is something we're going to have to spend our lives in an elusive quest in search of this mythical experience called joy. So the good news to be found in the stories that I've shared today is that joy is not something to be sought. It is not something that is elsewhere. Joy, when it is to be experienced, is always in the now. So how do you do it? Well, I don't think it's actually that difficult. Pick something you already know gives you joy. Matter of fact, make a list of things that give you joy and put it someplace where you can add to it regularly. The point is to create a list, a long list, matter of fact, of things that are truly joyful moments. Now, it might be something like this. Hiking in the mountains. Playing music with friends. Watching a sunset. Holding hands. Cooking for family or friends. Conversation with my kids. Swimming with my grandkids. Relaxed time spent with friends. Travel with my wife. Scuba diving. Helping someone solve a problem. Answering a question about faith. Anything that smells of cinnamon. And then when you have the beginning of a list like that, remind yourself that you're going to attempt to be present in the moment when these things happen. Oh, and let me say... You're going to fail at it, and often. The idea is not to move from failure to success, but it is to make incremental movement towards spending more time in the moment, more time in the joy, when you become aware that you are in one of those joyful moments. Oh, and let me just say, if you're the type of person who wants to turn this into an achievement-focused task, then you will fail. Being achievement-focused is the opposite of being in the moment. This isn't supposed to be something you win or lose at. It's supposed to be something in which you teach yourself to be more present in the moment. To spend a little longer appreciating the moment each time you experience one of these joyful times. And then to allow yourself to discover how your life is already filled with joyful moments. You just need to allow yourself to recognize them and bask in those wonderful moments whenever they happen. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and on YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot FaithQuest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. By email, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, 
seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.